Hey, it is Vinny Appice from Dio and Black Sabbath, and you're watching Life Minute TV. Crank it up. Yeah. Revered Dio and Black Sabbath drummer Vinny Appice is celebrating what would have been friend and bandmate Ronnie James Dio's 80th birthday this year with a four-CD remixed and remastered version of their 83 platinum debut, Holy Diver. It includes unreleased outtakes, live recordings, and rarities. The Holy Diver Super Deluxe Box Set is out now via Rhino Records. We reminisced about Dio, Black Sabbath, working with John Lennon, and so much more, including what he's up to now with his latest band, Last in Line. This is the Life Minute with Vinny Abbasi. Hello. Hi, Vinny. Hi, Joanne. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. This is so cool. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. We'll start uh, with the, the Dio, the Super Deluxe Edition. I can't even believe it's that old. Gosh, 1983, so it's how many how many years? 39. Wow, wow. Next year, 40 years. Well, when we made that album, we were just having fun. Yeah. We were young and crazy and smoking a lot of pot. And uh, we were just hanging out and we'd go to Sound City and, and record the stuff that's in California. Dave Grohl did the movie about Sound City. Yep. And, um, he, he actually said when Nirvana went there to record, they saw the Holy Diver album on the wall, Platinum. And they went, this is it. We got to record here. So we were just having fun and we thought, well, we'll make an album as good as it we can make and have fun doing it and this and that and this and that. So we didn't think it was going to become something that lasted 40 years or more and uh, became classic. It just went double platinum, too. But I, I guess it's done for Ronnie's 80th, which would have been his 80th birthday, uh, coming up in uh, July. They wanted to do something special, so they did a remix of uh, the, the Holy Diver album and remastered and the whole thing. What do you think it is that it's, you know, it just stands the test of time? What do you think it is? Definitely the songs, you know, the songs. I mean, you could have a really crappy band with great songs. They'll do better than a really great band with crappy songs. And then when we did record this and play together, we were having fun and we put our heart and soul into it, you know? And I think that comes across when you listen to Holy Diver album that, uh, you know, we're really into this. We were really playing together. You could tell we were enjoying it. It was a happy time for everybody in the band. There was no business problems. There was no negative stuff to, you know, come into play. And uh, it, that's what made a great album, you know? And uh, it was fantastic. Great uh, window of, of uh, musical happiness. But you say that, but was there ever any other problems later on? Yeah, later on, yeah, there was things, you know, business problems, things that were promised that, uh, you know, when it comes to money, that usually <laughs> becomes the problem. And that became some issues with the band and stuff. So um, that breaks up a lot of bands or kind of tarnishes what you have. That came into play later on, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then member changes, you know, Ronnie fired... Uh, Vivian Campbell, and then he got Craig Goldie on guitar, and 
okay, now that changes the band, you know. I would have, you know, kept the good thing going. Yeah. If it's not broken, don't fix it. You two started that band, all right, from Sabbath. What, what was that like? Well, we came out of Sabbath, you know, we came off tour, and then we went to, uh, had we had some time off, and went out, Ronnie and I went out to the Rainbow Bar and Grill in Hollywood, famous rock place, right? And we, we hung out, hanging out, having a drink, and uh, he told me, I'm leaving the band. I'm going to leave Sabbath. I'm not happy, you know. And, and once again, that was a business thing. So he told me, and he said, yeah, I'd like you to play drums, you know, if you want. Uh, so I had to decide, do I want to stay with Sabbath or go with Ronnie? So I just thought, well, Sabbath is security, you know, they're established. But Theo, this could be a whole new exciting thing. It's it's going to be a younger band and, and anything can happen, you know. So this is really exciting. So I chose to stay with Ronnie. And then we started uh, rehearsing, just Ronnie and I. And we'd go in his garage. That was his first house. It was a small house in the valley. And uh, he played bass and he played guitar. And we would jam on the first riff was Holy Diver. We had some of it, you know. And then we worked on it together and came up with a little bit more. Then we had to find guitar players. So we uh, auditioned people in California. And out here, you had the Musicians Institute, you know, so all these guitar players coming out of there playing as fast as they could. And uh, that's what we weren't really looking for that. We were looking for more soul and heavy and some heart in there. Um, so we decided Ronnie wanted uh, to get a European flavor in the band, you know, like the bands he's been in. Sabbath was half British and or three quarters British and uh Rainbow, same thing. So he said, let's go to London and find guitar players. So he contacted Jimmy Bain, who was the bass player in Rainbow. And Jimmy knew of uh, this guitar player in this band called Sweet Savage. And that was Vivian Campbell. And, and they toured together. And, and Jimmy said he was really, really good guitar player, great guitar player. So we went to London. We actually shared a room together, which was funny. We're both in a room together. There's a bad there, bad there. And Ronnie liked to read all night. It's like a bookworm. And I'm like, I can't sleep with the light on. Yeah. <laughs> all that stuff going on. And uh, so we went to a bunch of clubs to see who was playing around. You know, some of the clubs would walk in and a reggae band playing. I said, I don't think this is the right place. This is not the guy. And then Jimmy got back in town and he called Vivian. And Viv flew in from Ireland and from Belfast. And uh, that's the first time we jammed together. And that, that was at 80, end of 82. I think it was November 82. And uh, we recorded it. And it all went well. Then when we probably went for an Indian curry. Because that was, we all loved that. <laughs> and then went back to the hotel. And Ronnie and I listened to the tape of Viv playing. And it was great. So decided this is the guy. <laughs> and then about a month later, Jimmy and Viv moved over to California. And uh, then we started rehearsing and, and started writing for the album and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. And then you didn't have to share hotel rooms anymore shortly after. No, Ronnie always remembers that too. And I remember it was freezing in the hotel room too. It was like <laughs> London in November and, it was, you know, they turned the heat off at 1030 at night and you get in the room and you go, God damn, freezing here. I had the hair blower on trying to warm off the room, cracking up. Um, what are some of your some of your best memories with Ronnie making the album was was 
whole lot of fun. I mean, I keep saying that, but it was. And then when it went gold, that was like, wow, we did it. You know, we did this on our own because Sabbath, um, we, the album before that, two albums, Live Evil and Mob Rules. Uh, Mob Rules went platinum, but it's Sabbath, you know, so it was a great album, but it was their name that really propelled it. Uh, this here was something started from scratch and we were able to create it and put it out and go on tour and it was gold. It was like the typical rock story. And then the, the album went platinum and uh, we were doing big arena gigs and stuff, our own tour. So we were really proud of that, you know? So that was a very memorable moment, you know? He's uh, quite a bit older than you. Yeah, he was about 16 years old. Wow, a lot. He was like my older brother, but yet he had to, he was young at heart, you know? Did he teach you anything? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, been around for so long. I mean, the first, uh, when I joined Sabbath, we played some arena gig and it was cold outside. It was winter on the East Coast in the States. And we, we always stayed after the show, Tony and Giza had a limo and they'd leave and go back to the hotel. We always stayed, and then the crew would come in and party with us. We'd have some drinks, and then whoever was there, if there were people around, girls and everything, mm -hmm. and we'd hang out for an hour or two. Then we'd finally leave, so we pulled out of the arena with the limo, and there's a fence, a gate, you know, and there's kids, fans outside, and they were freezing. So we pull out, and Ronnie goes, stop the car. So he gets out of the car and goes and signs autographs. They always took care of his fans. And I'm sitting there going, hey, how cool is that? You know, this guy doesn't have to do this. Now he goes and does that. So I got out and I went and signed some stuff too. I wasn't that known back then, but uh, it taught me how to, how he loves his fans and he treats them with respect. And, and if you told him your name and you saw him a year or two later, he'll remember it. Unlike me, who was the complete opposite. <laughs> I don't remember anybody's name. I do sometimes, but it takes a while. Uh, then when we started touring with Dio and we were again in England in January, it was freezing out. And we played theaters and stuff. And then we go up to the dressing room after the show, we're hanging out, trying off and probably eating something. And <laughs> then they said, well, there's about 50 kids downstairs waiting for autographs. And it's cold out there. Ronnie said, bring them inside. Let them sit in the front rows. You know, it's too cold outside. Yeah. So that's what they did. And they would all sit down. Then we'd come out and they'd go crazy. And we'd sign and take pictures with them and stuff. And that was for free. Nowadays, it's a VIP. Yeah. Yeah. Times have changed. And yeah. he always loved his fans. You know. That's Except nice. when he's about to eat. And somebody go, hey, Ronnie. <laughs> we go to a restaurant. Okay, the food comes and hey, he's cool and about to eat something. Hey, Ronnie, hey, well, he wants to shake your hand. Now you got to wash your hands again. And... So he taught you how to respect your fans. Yeah. It wasn't for the fans. Yeah. You're doing this. I yeah. mean, when you're really, really big, it's hard to do that. Yeah. But, uh, when you can, you do it. Yeah. They never forget that. Is this anything you wish you did differently in your career or ever a time where you said, oh, 
that you, anything that you ever regretted? No, no. Before I joined Sabbath in 1980, I got a call from Ozzy's camp. Sharon Osbourne called me and said, <laughs> uh, listen, we're going to put a band together with Ozzy. And we heard about you and we want to fly you to England to hang out with Ozzy and uh, see how it goes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like 21. <clears throat> I'm like, Ozzy, he's crazy, isn't he? Like, Then I asked my brother Carmine because he knows Ozzy somewhat. And uh, the last time Carmine was with Ozzy, he told me that they were at the Rainbow Club in Hollywood and they were eating spaghetti or whatever. And somebody was talking to Carmine, so he turned his head like this. And Ozzy's on this side. And when he finished, he turned to Ozzy and Ozzy was sleeping in his spaghetti. <laughs> buried in the dish. He, so he said, yeah, he's pretty, pretty wild. He's pretty crazy. So I didn't pursue that one, which uh, would been, I would have been interested if I did. And I was on all those first albums, you know. But then about a month later, I get a call from Sabbath. And they're in town. They're looking for a drummer. They heard about me. I don't know where everybody's hearing about me, but uh, I had a couple albums out before that. And they were in, in Hollywood already. So I went down to met Tony Iommi at the hotel and he had one of my albums. He said, this is really good. So we hit it off really well. And he said, come down to rehearsal tomorrow. Cause they only had four days to rehearse. Cause Bill Ward left the tour, heaven and hell tour. So I go down uh, the next day and I don't really know. I wasn't a big Sabbath fan. So I didn't really know the songs, you know? So they go, what do you want to play? I said, Neon Nights. You know, and I know it was fast. It was only one place where it stopped. So you can kind of get away with just keep playing at that tempo. And that's the first song I played with them. And then 30-something years later, it was the last song I played with Ronnie. Because that song was the opener. It was the middle song. It was the end encore. It a, so it happened to be the first song I played. And then uh, all those years later in uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey, that was our last gig. That was, what, 2009? And that happened to be the last song. And then right after then, he, he started getting ill. Then I realized, wow, that song went from there to there. The whole journey of that song. And some voice he had too. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Never once was he off. Only one time I remember in Chicago, he had a cold. <clears throat> and it's the only time I heard him a little bit gravelly, you know. <laughs> and uh, other than that, every single gig, he just ripped it up, mm -hmm. you know. And he didn't he didn't warm up. Back in the dressing room, we'd be there hanging out. I would go to his dressing room about ten minutes before we we're going on, and he's having a, you know, a glass of beer or wine and some friends there. He's talking, and we go, "Okay, Ronnie, we got to go." Okay. <laughs> and you walk out to the stage and start ripping it up. It's like yeah. usually singers warm up and yeah. stretch their vocal cords. He never did that. Amazing. He sang like that. So amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing voice. Yeah, for sure. Just when you hear it, you know it's him. You know, no matter what. Uh, any other bands of today that you particularly think are good? You hear that band, Lilia? Oh, it's me.
a, a family band. They're all family members. And she loves Ronnie. She, I think she's 17 or 18. Things like Ronnie. Yeah, yeah. You're kidding. Ronnie. When they came out a couple of years ago, probably two and a half years ago, three years ago, everybody's calling me saying, got to see this band, Liliac. They do Rainbow in the Dark. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. All right, I'll check it out. And I check it out. This is great. <laughs> And then they got like 10, 11 million views on that. Oh my God. They got more views than us. They're doing great now. They, wow. they do covers. They don't have a record deal. They did everything themselves on social media. And now they're playing sold out gigs. Then I contacted them and they were like freaking out. And then we became friends. And then uh, we met at the NAM show and it was the last good one a couple of years ago before the pandemic. And uh, and then we became friends. And then uh, I, they, I did a couple of things video-wise with my drum company and uh, with the band with Rudy Sazer on bass and Michael Badio on guitar. And then uh, Melody is her name. She sang with us. So right. we're going to do some more stuff in the summer, another couple of video things at the, at the shoot. But uh, yeah, now we're really good friends. They came over oh. my house. And, <laughs> Looked at all the Dio stuff. She was freaking out. No record deal. They they were on uh, one of those TV shows, like Everybody's yeah. Got Talent or something. Yeah. They offered them, like, whoa, who offer you guys a, a record deal, you know, a couple hundred grand? And, and they turned it down because uh -huh. they were going to get changed into some pop band. The family. And they wanted to play heavy, you know. So great band. So check them out. Very cool. I will. What about drummers? What drummers do you think are really good? You know what? I don't really listen to that much stuff either. You know what? My ear, my ears are so blown out because I'm always working. So in, I got a studio in a room over there. And every week, uh, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on Facebook, Finney Apathy Official, I do a live drum stream from my house. And I play to some songs, but I can't play to D.O. and Sabbath. This is a copyright problem got all this absurd stuff and I play to it and then I tell stories, I teach a little bit. It's been going on for two years. So I do that and then my band Last in Line, which is the band I'm in with Vivian Campbell from D.O. and Def Leppard. We got a third album we just finished up and an EP coming out. So I'm always working, I do a lot of sessions. So my ears are like, I got it. Don't, I don't sit there and let me listen to some new music. I'm, did you always know you wanted to play the drums? Like, how did you get into it? And what were your influences? And how did you oh, start? The influences, yeah. So my brother Carmine, so he's 11 years older than me. So there were always drums in the house. So when he'd leave, I would play. And I'd probably break stuff on him because I didn't know what I was doing. And then eventually, uh, Carmine became successful with the Vanilla Fudge. And he was on, like, the Ed Sullivan show on TV. That big deal back then. And I used to watch this and go, wow incredible that's my brother and then go see him play my parents would take us to see him play and you know seeing like all these people watching my brother do a solo and so that just burned in my brain and i wanted to do the same thing so my influence with him john bonham buddy rich uh billy cobham guys like that and uh and sabbath i listened to and the reason why I wasn't a big fan of Sabbath because I was a big fan of Zeppelin because the drum sound was bigger. Like John Bonham's drums, they were big. 
you listen to the early Sabbath albums, they're very dead drums. They sound small. And I thought, that's not my, mm. I don't like that sound so much. But the songs were so evil. <laughs> First time I heard it, I went, oh my God. And the name's like Ozzy. Who's named Ozzy? So, um, so those were my influences. Mitch Mitchell from Jimi Hendrix. All, all that stuff. That's great stuff. All those drummers played, the difference was they played lead drums. They played in the song. They just didn't hold the beat down. They played stuff in the songs that became part of the songs. Were your parents musically inclined as well? Like No. Really? That's something. Uh, my father replaced two ceilings. One of them was Carmine <laughs> in the basement. Then I started playing. I was louder. It fixed the ceiling again. No, they didn't play anything. My my other brother, Frank, was in a doo-wop group. But, you know. And we had some other drummers in the family with the same last name. But their parents weren't really supportive, you know. They said, well, you better go to college so you can uh, fall back on something, you know. And they didn't really pursue drums. They played and they played locally. Then they just stopped, you know. Whereas Carmine, he, his deal was finish high school and you can go do your drums. And then my deal, I was easier. I said, I'm quitting school huh. and I'm going to concentrate on drums. Because I was doing stuff with uh, at 16, 17 when I was in high school. I was playing a little bit with John Lennon, too. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. you got to tell us about that. Yeah. Okay, so that my band at the time was managed by the Record Plant Studios in New York. They really liked us. Our friend was Jimmy Iovine, who did Monster Audio and Beats and produced John. He was our friend from Brooklyn. So we used to go to the studio with him, and then they gave us a room in Record Plant Studios in New York City to rehearse. So we were there like four nights a week. So one night, Jimmy calls, goes, can you guys come down and do hand claps for a session? Sure. So we go down. There was nine of us. We had four horn players and the keyboard player. So we go down and we walk in and we see John Lennon. Oh, my God. You got to be kidding me. He's in the other room where we go in and put the headphones on in the recording room. And now he's talking to you with the headphones on. You heard his voice so many times. You've seen the movies. Oh my God. So we did hand claps for the song, Whatever Gets You Through the Night. That's me and my band that did hand claps for that. And then we met him and we were cool. We didn't fanboy, you know, and then we left. And then the next day I had to go to school. And I go to high school, I'm sitting there going, oh my God, this is like going from black and white to color. Then he started coming up we'd be rehearsing he'd walk in the room sit down on the stairs watch us rehearse then i started smoking some joints with him he just hung out we played pool it was a pool room yeah. and uh funny story is we were talking italian food so you'd like this so i'm telling i'm sitting there with john lennon and i'm telling <laughs> my mother makes the best lasagna it's the recipe from italy my grandmother and it's just unbelievable he's oh. i said you know what i'll have her make you some <laughs> oh you guys okay so a couple days later i bring in a pan of lasagna into the record plant studios and i see john i go john this is for you from from uh, my mother <laughs> he, he was like oh wow okay cool so he took it went off well, a couple of weeks later carmine's playing with rod stewart at madison square garden multiple nights 
And there's a party. I don't know when it was, but uh, my parents, Carmine invited my parents to go. So they went because they loved, my mother loved this stuff. Yeah, she, that's why they were supportive. So she's backstage and all the celebrities are there, Tom Jones and Rod Stewart and John Lennon. And my mother sees John Lennon. My mother's a short, fat, little fat, chubby Italian woman. But Charlie, that's my father. There's John Lennon. Let's go say hi. So Carmine introduces them. Says, this is Vinny's mom who made you lasagna. And this is my mom and, you know, Vinny. And so he knows me. And so my mom has a conversation with him. And at the end of the conversation, she goes, oh, yeah, do you have my pan? <laughs> like she thought, well, I'm going to the city. I might as well bring the pan with me so I can return it to Vinny's mom. So that's somebody from Brooklyn. That's no hysterical. You know, I don't know exactly what he said. He probably said, oh, I'm sorry. I have it. Great. We did some uh, about eight songs with him as a producer for the singer, the owner of the record plant's wife. He was the producer, so that was great. And then he asked us to do a live show with him. And I'm like 16 and a half now, I'm very young. So we did a show at the New York Hilton that was televised, Black Tie Affair. And we went on with uh, black jumpsuits. And the show was a tribute to this guy, Lou Grade, who was a big entertainment dude in England. And John didn't like him, he thought he was two-faced. Uh -huh. So he wanted us to get masks of our face made so we could put it on the back of our head with no hair and we're two-faced. And then we wore black jumpsuit John Lennon. He wore the red jumpsuit. So we did this show. We played four songs, no, three songs, Imagine, Slippin' and Slidin' and Stand By Me. It was televised everywhere across the world. Then I find out a couple of years ago that was his last live appearance. That's in a guitar magazine. Is a picture of the band with John. I'm right next to John. It mentions me. It mentions John. Didn't mention anybody else. And I look and it says it's the last live appearance of uh -huh. John Lennon. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I played his last live appearance, watching those Beatle movies and the whole thing that happened. And me, I didn't know that. Right, so you told me what you're up to. Anything else you want to tell us? Um, well, I'm working with Last in Line with the uh, new band with Vivian Campbell on guitar from Dio, Phil Susan from Ozzy on bass. I don't know if I've mentioned that. We thought we were just vocals. doing it for fun. And Andrew Freeman. So we got a third album coming out uh, the beginning of the year. We just finished the mixes and we got an EP coming out in about a month. That was another thing we just started as a fun thing, you know, playing, go out and do gigs with all the Dio stuff we played. Then we got a record deal, started writing our own stuff. Now, now we're on the third record, so cool. Awesome. I'm always busy. What's what's your biggest life tip for life minute? If you could give us a life lesson, a short life lesson. <laughs> I don't know. I think I mean, like I said, with when we first did the Dio thing and then worked it up to a platinum record. I think that's a, a life minute as working hard. And then it takes some time maybe, but then you get the payoff, you know, but it doesn't come easy most times. And uh, don't give your lasagna pants away. <laughs> to John Lennon, <laughs> little beetle. Vinny, thanks okay. so much. Thank you guys, awesome. you guys be good. Maybe I'll see you on the road somewhere. Yeah, I hope so. So when you're in New York, come visit our studio. 
Oh yeah? Okay. Yeah. I'll keep your yeah, info. Nice I got it. in Times Square. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.